This is Homebuyer Talk Radio with your host, Mark Evinger. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Homebuyer Talk Radio with Mark and Gasper. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about some of the top reasons home contracts fail and how you can reduce the chance of losing your deal. We're also going to talk about some of the benefits of using a real estate team over just a single agent. And we're going to give some tips on how realtors can build and maintain top-of-mind brand awareness on social media, which is getting harder and harder these days. In studio with me today is my co-host and real estate expert, Gasper Sefuentes. He's the founding broker of San Antonio's Finest Realty. Gasper, great to see you again, my friend. Good to see you, Mark. It's uh, always great to be here. Uh, we're also joined uh, today by San Antonio's Finest Realty associate broker, Noah Ballard. He's the managing broker of the Valor team. And I'd like to give a shout out to my Aunt Linda. Uh, it is her 80th birthday today. Uh, actually, my Aunt Linda uh, compost on the southeast side of San Antonio. She is pretty much responsible for me being here. Uh, her son, uh, Richard, uh, was my first real estate broker. He's the one that got me started in the business and uh, trained me. And uh, without her, uh, we're not having this conversation. So uh, happy birthday, Aunt Linda. All right. Happy birthday. All right, so um, joke of the day. This is something I thought might be kind of fun to do. So what word starts with an E, ends with an E, and only has one letter in it? The answer, envelope. Envelope. <laughs> envelope. Get it? It's a dad joke. It's got a letter in it. That's a, that's it is a dad, dad joke. joke. I don't know. Go to dadjokes.com <laughs> and, and, and see if you can find me there. All right, so uh, before we get going, a quick reminder that you can listen to the podcast version of the show on all the usual podcast platforms and watch the video version on our website at homebuyertalkradio.com or YouTube, of course. All right, so in a recent article put out by the San Antonio Board of Realtors Chairman Cher McCulka, I, ho- I hope I said that right, the sale of your home can unravel for a number of reasons, and I'm going to go th- give you the top three reasons that, it, that this happens, and I really want to get y'all, since you guys are experts in the field and do this on a daily basis, I'd like to get your feedback on it. So first, of course, buyers can change their minds, right? I mean, that's just kind of what they do. Hopefully, it doesn't happen a whole lot. Uh, next, uh, a bad home inspection. I think this is where sellers, we kind of get uh, a little bit afraid, right? Is this going to go bad, right? A little bit of anxiety can, be, can surround that. And then, of course, third, uh, buyer's loan is rejected. So let's talk a little bit about uh, buyers changing their minds. Um, if the buyer put a termination option into the contract, they have the ability to terminate the deal for any reason within the time specified as long as it is within the scope of the termination option. So my question to you guys, and Noah, let me start with you. Does this happen often that you've seen? Yeah. Um, luckily, not a lot. I mean, it, part of our job as buyer's agents is to really instill confidence in our clients. Um, I have had it a few times where people just wake up and they, you know, whether they um, had a dream and they're like, the dream freaked them out. They don't want the house anymore. Um, they scrolled on realtor.com and found something else they wanted. Oh, um, So just plain cold feet. Uh, it does happen. I'd say in this market though, um, it's a lot less than it used to be because there's a lot less to choose from. So uh, buyers, you know, they feel like there's a little bit more, um, you know, once they got the house, they got the house because there's not much left to find. Um, and so they don't want to give it up. So what kind of an impact just to, just to carry this conversation, maybe a little bit in a different direction, as far as the, what is the impact, the psychological impact, the emotional impact, maybe on a seller who's been like, okay, Hey, we're going to do this. And then the buyer terminates that that deal real quick as far as, I mean, you've had plenty of sellers, Gasper. Sure. And, and, and that's a very good question. Uh, when a, uh, buyer decides to exercise their option to, uh, to back out for whatever reason it may be, uh, it can sometimes kind of stigmatize the property and other people will start to think, well, what's wrong with it? 
you know, did, did, did something bad happen? Was that, did they find something bad in the home inspection? Well, you know, there's all kinds of issues that can pop out of that. Um, but it's actually very beneficial to both parties. The, the seller for actually allowing it as a term of the contract gives that buyer the opportunity to, uh, and their agent, the time to do their due diligence, to make sure that they're doing their home inspection, to make sure that they've got the professionals that need to come in and search through this, uh, uh, this home to find anything that may actually be wrong with it because you don't want to wind up in a money pit. Nobody ever wants that. Right. And so you want to make sure you're taking the time to do it. The seller allowing those terms in the contract and the buyer by requesting those terms in the contract is actually very mutually uh, agreeable for both sides to, really, to, to work well. I'm thinking from the seller's perspective that I'd be a little leery of somebody that maybe had to terminate for... For, now I get it for the home inspection reason, right? Mm-hmm. But but to terminate because you know the moon wasn't in the right place in the sky at the time that I signed the contract, you know what I mean? Just that more those liberal kind of ability to do that. Do you see that happening very often? I, I don't. And like Noah said, I don't find it in this market as much as we used to. When when we had uh, you know right now we're about a month and a half of inventory uh, in most places. Uh, back when we were about four months, four and a half months. Uh, you would see that uh, more often for people to back out. So you don't the, see it too often. The tighter the market gets, absolutely, the more apt people are to start putting th- these types of things in. I, yeah, it, they they'll put that off when there's not as many options sitting on the table out there. Okay, awesome. All right, so when it comes to a bad home inspection, I think this is the one that we're we're all familiar with, right? Like oh, the foundation's not good. You know what I mean? All the windows in the house need to be replaced, or or whatever. They, give me like maybe no the top, maybe top one or two things that you've seen within your career where, uh, you know, somebody will find something and that, that breaks the deal for them. Yeah. Um, foundation is probably the number one, uh, and, and, you know, cracks, um, that look like they might be th- from the foundation. That's one of those things that, that scares people, everybody. Yeah, it scares everybody. Even if they're, you know, and not getting too much into it, but there's different types of cracks that mean different things. Right. Um, but, um, any, any buyer, especially first time home buyer that go in, they see cracks, they just think cracks. It's like cracks in the ceiling in the walls. Right. So like, you know, there's cracks where like drywall separates because the house moves. Sure. That's normal. But buyers go in there and they see it and they go, especially if they don't know what they're looking at, um, they freak out. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, any type of cracks, foundation cracks, the, um, and, and really, uh, I mean, that's the biggest one. I think uh, electrical is scary to people because, um, you know. I would think plumbing would probably be like one of those that would really freak people out because yeah. especially if you've got a two-story house, you got a bad water heater or something on the first floor or the sink's leaking or whatever. It seems like that'd be pretty scary. But what's an example of maybe an electrical issue that pops up? People are like, uh-uh. Yeah. So I actually had one uh, last month. The house was built in 1940, I believe it was, and had all the original electrical. But the the buyers had swapped out all the outlets to make it look like it was three-prong. Oh. So none of the electrical outlets were grounded. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So we had an electrician go in there and he was like, yep. He's like, you know, you plug anything in here, it could get fried, that kind of stuff. So that was during the home inspection. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. And we, we took it a step further, had an electrician go out there. Um, my client still ended up wanting the house. Um, so he got it and he got a good deal on it. But, uh, well, that's just, I mean, can't you get into negotiation there? Yeah. Right? That's I what mean, we absolutely. did. That's what we yeah. did. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, so, um, and then third, the buyer's loan is rejected. So, Gasper, give me your thoughts on, uh, like, you know, obviously, I think the sellers, well, the buyer's probably going to be worried about this too, right? I mean, um, talk a little bit about your experience with loan rejection and maybe the psychological impact that it can have, but also, does it hurt the property as well? I I wouldn't think it would, but I don't know. Whenever a uh, 
transaction is, is occurring and a offer is accepted and everything starts to move down the line towards uh, closing, uh, dependent on the, the type of loan that you're using, let's say that it's a, a, a VA, FHA, USDA, government-backed loan, there's going to be specific regulations and different things that the, uh, and guidelines that are required from the lenders on those specific loans. They're not conventional, so they're a little bit, conventionals are obviously a little bit easier, a little bit cheaper to do overall. But as they, as they pro- progress through, let's say that it is a, um, a government-backed loan, there's going to be uh, restrictions that may pop up. Let's say that they need to see a hydrostatic test on the plumbing because there was some foundation work. Um, if the seller cannot provide that hydrostatic foundation or that hydrostatic plumbing test, then what can occur is they will stop the loan. They will not uh, fund that loan. So that and would be they being who uh, the lender. The, the lender. lender, it won't meet the requirements, and so that'll be one of the reasons why the loan will How does not. the lender become aware of that? Do, does the lender get re- these reports as well? well? Yeah, through the appraisal. The, when the appraisers come in and they start to do their work, and of course, uh, they're pulling all the tax data and then permits and different things that have occurred on the history of this home. Mm-hmm. So a uh, title company and everyone working in, in unison is, is per- pretty much able to see the history of whatever's going on with the property. Huh. Uh, and then of course there's disclosure, you know, we, as the seller, uh, and the seller's agent need to require, are required to let the buyers know what they're getting into. That's the legal part of it. Right. But Noah, so in, in a situation like the electrical part, was, mm-hmm. was that something that was on the disclosure? Or is that something that is found after the fact? So it was something that's found after the fact, um, the appraiser has no, they don't inspect the, the electrical. Um, so we basically got a little glimpse from the inspector and decided, hey, let's have an electrician just double check. And then he was like, yeah, there's, it's. Is old. that something that, in your opinion, should have been disclosed? Um, that, that, to my knowledge, doesn't have to be disclosed on the seller's disclosure um, because that's the age of the house. Seems know? like if you're not going to ground your outlets, mm-hmm. that's something that should probably people should know about. Because that's yeah, a fire I think, hazard. <laughs> I think the part that was a little fishy was um, the outlets were three prong outlets, making it look like they were grounded. Yeah. But they weren't. Yeah. So, that that was where it got a little, you know, hey, you should have, if you're going to put in these outlets, but obviously there's no way to connect it, mm-hmm. you should have said something. Well, so in detective school, that's what they would have called a clue. Yeah. That's right, exactly. <laughs> All right, so quick shout out for our sponsor, Marcus, uh, or Krukus Marketing Agency, who specializes in using social media to help real estate agents find new clients who want to sell their homes. If you're a real estate agent or broker looking to increase your business, head on over to Krukus.com to schedule a 15-minute demo to see how their program works and how it can help you start closing more deals. Once again, that website is krukus.com. That's C-R-U-K-U-S dot com. All right, Gasper. Excellent. I'm uh, very excited to have this next guest uh, with us. He's uh, a U.S. Army veteran of six years. Uh, For the last nine years, he has been a law enforcement officer here in San Antonio, and he's been a uh, member of the San Antonio's Finest Realty team for six years. He is the managing broker of the Ballard team. Welcome to the show, Noah Ballard. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Hey, I want to go over um, something real quick. We had a, a uh, discussion several, uh, m- I guess it was maybe a couple of months ago, of how you actually got involved in the real estate business. And I know, um, you know, we're not going to name any names or yeah. any of these people are, are great, but it, it was interesting to me that w- what actually motivated you yeah. uh, to get into that. So could you go over that real brief, briefly? Yeah, without naming any names. Um, the real, you know, bottom line of it is, is that I felt like I didn't have a very good experience in, in real estate, um, with my first, uh, interaction when I was buying my first house. And, uh, um, I realized that a, I could do it better 
And B, you know, um, people were still getting paid at the level that I was getting uh, treated at. So I was like, wow, if, if, if people are still getting paid to do this and I know I could do it much better, um, how much better could it be? And then also, you know, my thought process was uh, there's other people that are getting treated like this. I want to fix that. Um, and that's kind of like the, you know, all entre- entrepreneurs have an a, a issue that they want to fix. Um, and that was my issue. And so that's how I got started. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, uh, bringing you in, I remember you calling me that day and saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to take my classes. I'm going to get started. And uh, we got you in, got you trained. And, and what I really loved and why I really wanted to bring you on the show was because um, you are uh, a great example of someone that saw the vision, captured it for yourself and turned it into your own thing. And, and you are at the pinnacle of um, what a associate broker with this company can be. And so uh, let's Thank go you. over a couple of questions uh, uh, because you, you run the Valor team. Yes. And uh, as the managing broker, you have the uh, luxury of moving it and shaping it and uh, taking it where you want to go with it because it is your team. You manage it. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that make it uh, different between maybe running a real estate team versus kind of doing it solo because you did it solo for a while just like I did. Um, some of the steps that you took to building a team or a group. And um, we're going to talk about, uh, can they provide higher level service? That's something I think our listeners really want to know. And what kind of things are involved in the management of the team? You know, what what should uh, someone that's out there looking to build their own team consider when they start to do it? And uh, why wouldn't someone want to build a team? You know, so uh, let's go ahead and uh, and work on that real quick. So, Um, what do you, uh, think is uniquely different about running a real estate team versus doing it solo? What are the differences there? Sure. Um, well, we talked about a little bit, uh, providing a higher level of service to the client. Um, and there's a bunch of different ways that that could happen. Um, but being a, uh, in a team or a group atmosphere, um, the agents and yourself, you have more knowledge, collective knowledge, um, uh, uh, you know, you really need a higher level of expertise to maintain it and run a team. Um, you got to be on it. Um, you can't just slack off. You have to maintain your education, but also you basically have to educate everybody else that's underneath you um, and make sure that it's done correctly because now we hold the liability. Um, a team or a group, they provide more leverage. Um, and, and depending on how your team is structured, that leverage could be a lot. It could be a little, but there is some type of leverage there. And by leverage, I mean, you know, the ability to um, task out other items so we can work on something else at the same time. So an example might be um, if you have a listing uh, coordinator and a transaction coordinator, both of those agents work at the same time on your listing. You have two, three, four agents working for you on one listing versus if you're a solo agent, you're working by yourself. And a lot of people like to do that and keep the control. Um, but I, fa- I have found that by bringing in more people to either A, work on finding somebody a house or work on selling somebody's house, it really helps um, bring a higher level of service to those. those the, the issue I might see there is uh, coordinating. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a bunch of different agents running around could be problematic, yeah. but it could also be very beneficial but that's going to require leadership mm-hmm. so you know to gasper's point on you know when you come in you start forming a team it's really dependent upon the leader to 
make sure that things execute well. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of management involved for sure. You, and if you, that's one of the biggest learning curves I think about running a team is learning how to manage correctly um, and building in systems. Systems are really important and policies. I mean, Gaston knows all about policies. You know about policies. Um, you really need to to set those in stone. That way, you can fall back onto it easily. And people, well, what do, what do we do if this happens? It says it right here. You know that kind of thing. And and that seems the wealth of knowledge by collect by operating in a team is huge. I'm I'm hearing this pretty often about. There's questions that come up all the time that people don't necessarily know the answers to. And if you have a single agent who is kind of a solo operator and they don't have access to that knowledge, what happens? When they come across something they don't know. Yeah, they wing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the right answer. They wind up winging it. it. Wing it. Yeah, and that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> so when you, um, when you built your team, um, you know, what were the steps that you took, you know, putting your team together? So, um, you know, there, in Texas, at least, there's really no prerequisite to start your own team. You can have a team of one person. You can start it depending on which brokerage you go to. Um, ours is different, and I like that. Um, the main, the, the first, not the main thing, the first thing is, uh, putting in dues, learning experience, um, you know, and by dues, you mean paying your dues, put, paying, putting, putting in the work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the time and the effort to, to figure out the market, the real estate, because I could start a team for, you know, uh, radio casting and I, you know, I don't know much about it. You know, I, I could start a team for anywhere else, but if I have no experience in it, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. Um, so that was the first thing, a couple years of experience, learning the market, learning transactions, that kind of stuff. Um, going through a lot of crazy transactions. So I had a lot of experiences. Uh, so now, you know, I have agents come to me, oh my gosh, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, well, that's happened before. This is what's going to happen or this is the answer, you know. Um, so, you know, if I started a team and started management without having the experience like that, um, that would be, you know, detrimental to the growth of the team. Um, second is formulating your business plan. Uh, I feel like that's a really big, important, uh, thing to do. Um, you know, set up your mission statement, your core values, your vision, all that kind of stuff. Um, and to give you an example, um, the Valor team's mission statement is to enrich your life and leave a lasting impact on your legacy. We accomplish this by fearlessly representing you with integrity, providing you innovative service that exceeds the expectation and showing you the true form of a creative and excellent realtor. By combining these standards with our values, we'll foster a lasting relationship of trust that glorifies God. And the third step really is executing your business plan and convincing others of your dream. Um, Because you really do have to sell yourself in the sense of let everybody know. Um, And I think if you have a solid business plan and solid core values, your business will grow, because that's what I've seen with the Valor team. Right, the ability to inspire those around you and lead them in, in a way that's going to accomplish the goals, whatever it is that they're on board for in the first place. Yeah. Huge. And Gasper is huge at that. He, he has, that's like his, you know, I don't even know what the word is, but he can inspire people very easily. I mean, he walks into a room, you start getting inspired, and you're like, whoa. You know. um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so. Uh, is that, that sucking up to the boss? No, I mean, not is, is that boss, what's happening yeah. here? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it is true. I mean, you know, you, you know him, you talk to him. Um, and so that's, I've kind of learned that and, and being a police officer, you know, I have nine years on, that's kind of like a skill I've learned is you learn from other people that have done it and have experience. So I'm learning from everybody. Um, and that's an important skill. Awesome. Let's take a quick break for a promo. Uh, folks, the real estate buying and selling season is upon us. San Antonio's finest realty offers a hero's program 
that saves local heroes thousands at closing. So if you're a nurse, teacher, fire, EMS, law enforcement, or military, call today and ask about our 1% Advantage plan. You can reach us at 210-509-4911. That's 210-509-4911. Or you can visit our website at www.sanantoniosfinestrealty.com. That's San Antonio's Finest Realty, Homes, Land, Life. Now, Noah, uh, when you, what do you feel a team can provide? Uh, do, do you think they, a team actually gives a higher level of service to the client? Yes, definitely. Why, why does why do you feel that way? Um, kind of like I mentioned before is is the agents whether you you are actually working as a team for somebody or you are in a team, um, the the market exposure. Let's say you have a listing, right? The market exposure of that listing is not only now being pushed by one agent; it's being pushed by all the agents in your team. Um, on the flip side, if you have somebody that's looking for a house. You have multiple agents working, you know, or, or keeping you top of their mind, working to find you a house versus one agent. So, th- I mean, there's plenty of examples and, and, and reasons to why, but that's a main one. I think that it's very, uh, or it, it provides a much higher level service. When when you talk about, you know, the benefit to the consumer is is key, right? It's mm-hmm. just like because if it benefits the consumer, it benefits everybody, right? Everybody wins. So, you know, as an advantage, you said marketing, right? Obviously, you're going to get a, a bit more marketing reach. And then uh, we also talked about um, somebody or like if, if there's an unknown, if there's a question out there, the team can come right. come together and, and execute well there. And then and then what was the what was the other one? Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like uh, so we got marketing. We got questions that come yeah. up. Um, but y- yeah, there was another reason. I think uh, you said about sellers. So you oh. know, maybe getting, bringing in more seller leads, yeah, these kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, having more market exposure for the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, awesome. So um, that's all basically around management. But there's other aspects to management too, as well. So someone that's looking at maybe wanting to create a team yeah. for themselves. What are what are some of the things they got to look forward to yeah. when it comes to management? <laughs> look forward to. So um, one of the biggest things that I didn't realize when I first started was training and education. Training and education, training and education. <laughs> uh, training and education um, limits liability and also makes your team better. And you have to really align them, your agents, uh, with your goals and how you do your business. The only, only way you can do that is by proper training and education. Um, there's a lot of accounting involved. I hate accounting. still hate it. I probably hate it more now, but it's necessary. Um, one thing that I didn't realize that you know you form a bond with your your agents and uh, you end up providing them personal advice or just having personal conversations, personal counseling, um, which that was kind of... Yeah, it's the I father effect. Yeah, it, I wasn't It, it comes that. into that, yeah. Um, you got to get really good at event planning and and uh, and finding advertising opportunities for your team. Um, you know, I, I'm not an event type person, but, you know, you, you definitely have to uh, add that to your skill set. That's awesome. Well, tell us, Noah, how can people uh, get a hold of you? Yeah, so my website is www.alamo-homes.com, and my phone number is 210-845-6287. You guys can call me, uh, you can text me, uh, and my Instagram handle is alamohomessa, uh, and I'm also on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you so much. A quick promo, if you're an agent or a broker looking for sponsorship or building a real estate team of your own, visit our recruiting page at www.alamohomes.com. SAFR.team. 
There you will find more info about San Antonio's Finest Realty and an online application to get started in your new career. That's www.safr.team, San Antonio's Finest Realty, Homes, Land, Life. All right, so I know we're running close on time, but I'm going to go over uh, a couple of things. So we've been talking about realtors and teamwork, and it's really trying to stay top of mind for a reason, right? If you have a good team, then agents are going to want to join your team. If you have a good team, you're providing good service, then people are going to want to join your service. But there's also a social social media marketing aspect to it, letting people know that you're successful, that you're good at what you do, and staying top of mind for them to come and join, hire you or join your team, super important. So staying top of mind is important for people in sales who are trying to grow their personal brand. Personal branding, would you guys agree, is important when it comes to real estate? Right, absolutely. It's, it, personal oh, yeah, brand absolutely. is huge, whether on social media or in person. We can't fi- forget about the personal side of things, right? This is a person-to-person, belly-to-belly experience as well. We got to get to know who we're working with. My business, Krukus Marketing Agency, was founded to help people in the real estate profession accomplish this in a meaningful way that produces long-term gain. Because personal branding is a long-term endeavor. Okay, whether we like it or not, how you build your personal brand is going to stick with us for a very long time because it's our personal brand and it's tied to our identity, right? If we're posting our pictures there and we're posting content, obviously we don't want controversial content. We don't want negative content. We want positive uplifting stuff. Um, That affects us. It's tied to our identity and we can't just walk away from it like quitting a job or getting another one, right? It's like, okay, well, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing over here. Well, wait a minute. You posted all this stuff before. It does follow you. It's on the internet. It's never going away. We can't get away from it. (laughs) So I'm just going to run through one because that's all I've got time for here. A quick tip that everyone should focus on if they're trying to grow their personal brand, okay? So increasing your reach, social media networking. Find ways to connect with people who have a large following that you want to get in front of. So this is leveraging other people's circles in order to provide benefit, provide service. If it makes sense, right? And you don't want to be, you know, a gargoyle or something that's out there to try and take from people, but you want to add to it. Okay. But don't be afraid to think big. I'm just going to use this radio show as an example. So it was my intention to get in front of people in the real estate profession. So I started a radio show because I have skill and it's in my wheelhouse. Right. Um, and now it's created massive exposure for me because people are sharing my videos. Things are going on. I'm there. It's my personal brand is being shared in a lot of different ways. So as you guys are out there looking for ways to grow your personal brand, I would just encourage you to look for ways to get into other people's circles in a, in a big way. Let's not be afraid to go big. All right, and then i got to wrap up the show. Um, a quick reminder to check out our latest podcast on all the usual podcast platforms. You can find video versions of the show on our website at homebuyertalkradio.com. It's going to be it for us. Well, have a great week. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much.